say you want a revolution Well, you know We all want to change the world You tell me that it's evolution Well, you know We all want to change the world Well, hello there. You have found once again the Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, August 21st, 2022. It's a balmy, humid, hot, muggy day, and I'm doing a rain dance as we speak. It's kind of clouding up, and it looks like it might start raining pitchforks and you know what. Tomorrow's the 22nd, which is the birthday one of our biggest fans, whose name is Tyler. I don't know how old Tyler's going to be. I think he's like six years younger than me. So big shout out to my homeboy, Tyler. He's my cousin and one of my best friends. And he's one person I know that actually listens to this. So if nothing else, I do this once a week for you, buddy. I've got some fun stuff to talk about today. A little bit of Joe Biden babble. One of my all-time favorite audio clips taken from the Michael Berry Show. I don't know where he got it from, but it was some kind of phone call or a recorded message from a lady. Well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to give it away, but you get to listen to it. This clip's really hard to find. I can't ever find it on the interwebs. I can only grab it off his show whenever I hear it. So I'm going to play it for you. You'll know when you hear it. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and I am perfectly okay with that. We can have different opinions and still be friends. Somehow along the way, we all forgot how to disagree without being disagreeable. And I blame the internet. Either way, I encourage you to listen to my opinions, formulate your own, and not without research. Don't just be spoon-fed. And no matter what they tell you, if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So sit back, relax, and let me run the screw gun for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. You better free your mind instead. But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow. If that's not a good song, I don't know what is. I do not know what is. You know, I mentioned something in the intro, and it kind of it kind of struck a chord with me um, because of something that happened this week. And, and that is to do your own research and to do your own digging. And don't just be spoon-fed by the media and influencers and people you listen to and even me. And what that incident was, was I, I got into kind of a debate this week with someone. Um, and, and I was accused of just taking in information and not, like, processing it. I was accused of just just taking what someone says and accepting it as a gospel. And that was kind of offensive to me. And I, I don't use that term lightly. So it kind of pissed me off. Um, I haven't dr- addressed it with this individual. But I'm thinking to myself, if if that's the kind of person that I am, if I'm the kind of person that, that doesn't process information and just, just takes what I get and regurgitate it and spits it out, 
then why would you engage in a conversation with me or a debate? Because either one of two things is happening. You know, this, this person's either trying to get me riled up, you know, that they're entering a debate and they're, they're getting emotional and they're, they're being emotional with me, hoping that I'll get emotional, or they think I'm too stupid to process information. And in which cases, I have just decided that I won't, um, I won't engage with this person anymore. It's just not worth it because if, if I was them and I thought that I was just, just being spoon-fed information like baby birds in a nest, well, then what's the point in engaging with someone if you're not talking about their opinion and their point of view? I was also accused of trying to, quote-unquote, back them into a corner. And I never really understood what that term means, um, especially in this concept where, in this concept, especially in this context where we're just talking about opposing viewpoints. We're just talking about differing, differing opinions. And so there's no backing into a corner. And, and I'll just put it out here on here, and, and maybe this person will listen at some point. But my intentions, whenever I'm discussing something with someone who has opposing viewpoints as me or we disagree about something, is to just figure out that line, that line in the sand that we disagree on. And so while I may be asking questions, I'm just trying to figure out where ex exactly it is that we don't see eye to eye on something. And I think people that are insecure or they're, they're not confident in their skill set or their knowledge in that particular topic, that's one of their defense mechanisms is to just say, why are you trying to bat me into a corner? That's a common one. And another one is obviously, you know, accusing the person that you're, you're talking to of, of not really knowing what they're talking about. And it's one tactic that I'll never use. I will never accuse someone of just taking in information and spitting it back out. Now, I may think that they do that. I may have a theory or a hypothesis that that's what they do. But I'll, I'll let them prove that in the course of discussion, right? That, that kind of thing becomes apparent if you have someone who knows more than the person that they're debating. And so there's no need to tell someone, oh, yeah, you just, you just follow whatever, listen to Fox News all day and CNN, you just, you just repeat what they tell you. Where's, where's, where's that going to get you in, the, in a debate, in, in the discussion of two opposing opinions? That's not going to get you anywhere. So I've come to the point in my life where if, if people think that that's who I am and that's what I'm going to do, well, then we're no longer going to talk about politics. I don't care. I don't See, what I think a lot of people don't realize is it doesn't matter to me what people think. You can love Bernie Sanders. You can love Joe Biden. You can love Kamala Harris. That, that doesn't change the way I think about you. And so because of that, because that I don't really care what your viewpoint on politics is, then there's no need to talk about it. Now, if you want my input and you want my point of view, then sure. But this whole thing of people not being able to discuss opposing viewpoints without getting emotional, it's just getting out of hand. It, is, it really, and it's getting comical to me. Here's another part of my notes that I got to talk about. I follow Joe Biden on Instagram, admittedly, because, I, I mean, obviously, I know he's not the one making the posts, right? I, I suspect Joe Biden couldn't work an iPhone if his life depended on it, but either way, I follow him on Instagram because I'm interested mainly in the comments of what people say. It's highly entertaining to me. And every now and then I'll come across, you know, a few people that know what they're talking about. Even if they have opposing viewpoints of me, I can look at their comment and say, okay, this, this person actually, you know, even though I don't agree with them, 
they they do know they know what they're talking about. But for the most part, like ninety nine point eight percent of the time, I see these comments and I think, man, th- this is why I sometimes think, you know, maybe socialism, maybe they haven't figured it out, maybe these hardcore leftists that I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but these people who actually think that humans are not qualified to make their own decisions, sometimes I think maybe they're right. (laughs) After reading the comments in these threads, I think maybe they're right. And I won't go into a lot of details, but this this particular comment was on, on the president's feed. And I think it was, you know, the president was boasting about how great the economy was doing and how many jobs have been added. And I just think to myself, who who are you trying to kid? Who who's who are you fooling? But there are people out there that don't really understand the way the economy works. They don't understand how inflation works. They don't understand what month over month inflation versus year over year. They don't know what the PCE is. They don't know what the CPI is. They don't know what producer prices mean. They don't understand the difference between regular payroll and non-farm payroll. See, these are all the things that you should have a pretty good grasp on before you go to arguing about inflation, which is what this individual is doing. He was saying, well, you know, because of the war in Ukraine, uh, we have inflation. And I expect it to go down by the end of the year or, or be back to normal by the end of the year. And so I just wanted to ask questions, mainly because I wanted to see how much this individual really knew. And I said, what do you mean back to normal by the end of the year? And they said, well, inflation will be over. And and I didn't even... I think I wrote back and I said something like, why, why do you think it will be over? And he said something like, or she, who knows who it was, or, or maybe it was a robot, I don't know, said something like, well, because the war in Ukraine will be over and everything will be done. <laughs> and that's this one I just have to quit. I was like, nah, I mean, I might have said one or two more things. But for the most part, I'm like, okay, this discussion is no longer serious because this individual thinks that a war contributes to inflation. And that's not the way it works. War is a supply shock has nothing to do with inflation right just because prices go up doesn't mean it's inflation prices can go up because you have a increase in supply or a decrease in come on guess a decrease in demand yes both of those can move prices and so the president has done a great job blaming this war on inflation now if you look through history and you look back at time and you see that yes over time There is inflation after wars, but that's not because the movement of goods and products is constricted. That's because during war, countries print money to fund their war. And so after that's all done, because if we have an extra supply of money in the market, the value of it goes down. And so it just got me to thinking how whenever it comes to certain things, everyone says, oh, you have to trust the science, trust the science. But no one ever says Trust the economists. Trust trust these people that do this for a living. Have a thorough understanding of it. Nope, nope. It's <laughs> There are certain things out there that everyone pretends like they understand. I mean, the last thing I would do would be get on some stupid social media forum and talk about something that I don't know about. I, I just don't get why people do it. And you know what? There are people out there who know way more than me. And maybe they said that about some of my comments. But I just have a strong suspicion that I could communicate with them and figure out really quickly that they know more than I do and that I could take lessons from them. I just feel like the world would be a better place if we could all recognize who knows more than us and learn from them instead of trying to flex how much we know 
in order to satisfy our insecurities. Speaking of insecurities, this is the clip that I mentioned in the intro, or sometime, I don't know, uh, from, taken from the Michael Berry Show. So this is a lady who's upset because her car was impounded, I think, while it was being repaired, and the people who own the note on the car were getting ready to come repossess the car. But I'll, I'll just let her, her, I will just let her tell you the story. Get the car. The car is not here. The car is in the shop, and one part is at yep. another shop. If y'all want it that bad, y'all can go pay that man to get it out, and then pay the person to get the other part out. I mean, because you act like y'all couldn't be patient. You knew that we was gonna get it taken care of. So if y'all want it that bad, y'all can go get it. You pay the man and pay the other man, and we can leave it as that. Because we're not on that much on the car. Y'all want to trip on it now that we only got on a thousand or two thousand on it. So you know what? God bless y'all. Y'all can go pick up the car. So you know what? Give me a call back, and I will give you the directions to where the man is, and I will let him know that y'all gonna be paying him to get it out because y'all don't be patient. Y'all don't be patient. We're not rich like y'all. That's one thing y'all going to have to understand. But one day this year, we will be because we have Barack Obama. And that is highly, highly, <laughs> highly funny to me. Why, why is that funny to me? For, for so many reasons, but mainly because we have this individual who thinks, for whatever reason, we're not rich like y'all. Which I don't know who y'all is. I don't know. I don't know what that means. The bank, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. But because Barack Obama has been elected, that they will be this year. This year, they will be as rich as y'all are because of Barack Obama. So, while it's funny to me, it's also sad. It's sad that these people get to vote, and it's sad that these people have been duped by politicians into thinking that they will be able to make them rich. Uh, you know, and and that's what's sad to me. I just I wish so badly politicians could just be human and just tell it like it is. And I know that they've figured out along the way what to do in order to get reelected. But if they all just kind of agreed to be themselves and to push forward what they thought was the best for the country and the majority of the people, then they wouldn't have to tell lies. And if both people kind of came to the agreement that we're going to be human, we're not going to just tell lies, we're not going to guarantee people to get free things if they vote for us, we're just going to tell it like it is. And if both did that, then the elections would still be even. But what you had was at some point in time, someone figuring out, well, if I do this, I, I can get a leg up and I can win. And another guy says, well, if I do this over him, then I can get a leg up and I can win. It's like politicians who slam their opponent. It's been a common theme since the dawn of elections, I assume. But I follow Beto O'Rourke. All the guy does is slam Greg Abbott. He doesn't talk about the things that he wants to do for Texas. He doesn't talk about how he can make Texas a better environment for individuals and for businesses. He doesn't talk about what he's accomplished and the people who believe in him and what he's done over the course of his life. All he does is slam his opponent. I can never respect that. If you don't have enough on your resume to get up there and tell people what you've done and show them how that's going to apply with what you plan on doing for your state or your city or your county or your country, you shouldn't be in politics. Because 
like I always say, these people are not leaders. They're not here to make decisions. They're here to get reelected. There's a very, very few of them who actually stand on what they believe. And those are the people that I respect. Even the people that I disagree with and that I, and that I will admit that they do not know what they're talking about, I still respect them for speaking their mind and standing on their ground. And you know what else annoys me about humans? And I'm going to, this is going to be the last piece that I talk about being annoyed by humans. But whenever you're waiting on someone or they're coming to meet you or you're going to meet them and you don't know how far away they are from, from wherever it is that they're going or they're coming to or wherever you are and you don't know them very well and this is maybe the first or second time you've met with them. This is a business type situation normally. And they say something like, on my way, <laughs> on my way, on my way from where? Where are you coming from? Are you coming from New York, Miami, 10 minutes down the street? Because the, the whole idea to tell someone I'm on my way is to let them know when you're going to be there. I understand if this is your friend and you know exactly where they live and you know where they're coming from and you know it takes them 15 minutes to get to your house from their house, then that's fine. That makes sense. But for someone to just say, on my way, and this particular person covers multiple regions for their work. They're sometimes they're 15 minutes away, sometimes they're 45 minutes away, sometimes they're an hour and a half away, sometimes they're down the street. And uh, yeah, that's just, <laughs> it's one of those little things that frustrates me because why even communicate information if you're not going to give the details that you need to give? Who has time for that? Ugh, people, give me AI. I want robots right now. Now, I want robots. Give me robots. Democrats sided with the American people, and every single Republican in the Congress sided with the special interest in this vote. Every single one. In fact, the big trunk company, big. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The big what? Hold up, Joe. In fact, the big trunk company, big drug companies, spent nearly $100 million to defeat this bill. $100 million. Okay, here we go. Here's some more babble from Joe Biden. The big Trump companies. You think Trump's on his mind? You think he's a little nervous, a little Donny boy? Yep, they all are, which I think is hilarious. Whether you like Trump or not, you've got to find it funny how terrified they are of him. But he's a threat to our democracy. And you get in the car, and there's a little frost on the window. Turn on the windshield wiper, there'd be an oil slick. Not a joke. I have asthma, and 80% of the people who, in fact, we grew up with have asthma. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, relate to infrastructure. How many unsafe bridges you still have here in the state of Ohio? I mean, Iowa. And I was just in Ohio because they have more. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in foot him, uh, foot, excuse me. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political, or, or maybe precise, not and or, or political power. And by the way, my sympathies to your, the family of your, F, uh, uh, your, your CFO, who uh, un- dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best of her family. It's tough stuff. I'm also proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQL. I, excuse me, plus Americans. I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite clips from that montage is when he's up there talking to a company 
and he says that there's CFO CFO dropped dead unexpectedly. It's tough stuff. Tough stuff. <laughs> How insensitive can you get talking to a room full of employees who are getting over the fact that their CFO died unexpectedly? And he uses the term dropped dead unexpectedly. <laughs> it's such an old man thing to do. Ugh. But you know what? If it was an old man who lived in a nursing home and was really friendly to all the ladies who took care of him and cleaned his butt and changed his diaper and he just was happy to eat his applesauce, if he was that guy, I'd think it's kind of cute. Like, oh, man, he, he said drop dead. But he's trying to present himself someone that he's not. He's, he's corrupt beyond belief. And so, therefore, I will make fun of him. I will tease. I will mock. I will bash him like a piñata. That's just what I do. I don't have to be his friend. And you know what? You can feel the same way about somebody that I support. And I won't care. I won't get upset. I won't get emotional. It's fine. We can exchange viewpoints. But this guy... But Joe, but Joe, but uh, Joe Byron, uh, Biden, by Joe Biden, he's got to go. No possible way this guy will make it another term. I don't think he'll finish his term. I think something's going to happen. He won't finish his term. There'll be something unexpected. There'll be some medical condition. But if it's not, I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, no possible way can he run again in 24. He doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the stamina. He doesn't have the brain capacity. I know what you're thinking, but Brandon, you said you were done playing clips of Biden. Yeah, well, sometimes things change. Okay, for my next trick, I'm going to share one of my biggest fears, something that I'm terrified of beyond belief, and I just realized how terrified I am of this within the last week or so. And, you know, I like to, I like to pretend like I'm brave, I like to think about that. I ain't scared of nothing, nothing scare me. I don't cry, and I don't get scared, and I'm tough. I, you know, that's kind of how I like to think of myself. But I am terrified of aliens, and here's why. I had the realization that what if they found us, and they really didn't have any intentions on hurting us, but their way of communication is so different, or the way that they express emotions or talk to each other is so different that they don't understand that we're in pain. So I was thinking, like, what if some alien just got us? And he's like, well, let's just see what they do if we do this, because this this makes us laugh. And so what if they what if they find interesting or they think it's fun to be sliced open and they have some magical skin that heals back together? And when they do it, they scream uncontrollably. But to us, that's pain and terror. But to them, it's laughter. And maybe they think, oh, look, they love it. They're having a great time. You think about something like a, a dog. When you scratch him in a certain spot and he's kicking his leg, we, we think we know what that is, but we don't know for sure. Most people think that, oh, look, he likes it. That's, that's the spot. Get him right there. But really, that's just an involuntary reaction. Like when, you, when the doctor hits your knee with a little rubber hammer. What do you call it? A reflex. It's a reflex. And so... They don't really have much control over when they kick. Now, we can kind of assume from their body language that they don't get up and run away, so it's not, it's not necessarily hurting them or discomfort, but we do know that it's just a reflex. They don't really have control over it. But see how we just assume that they like it? 
I also heard something similar to this about a sloth. Like, there's some kind of, and I don't remember all the details. It was a while back. I'm too lazy to go back and look it up. But there was some, some listen to me. I sound like Joe Biden. <laughs> there was something about the way that you scratch them or tickle them, and they go through this motion, and they, and they make these movements. And to humans, it looks like, oh, look, he's, we're tickling him. He thinks it's funny. But in sloth language, he's saying, like, stop, stop, it hurts, or I'm not comfortable. And so, I don't know. That, that thought entered my mind the other night when I was in the hammock, and it was pitch black, and I was just kind of thinking. I thought, man, if aliens ever come scoop us up, and they just do experiments on us, they can really torture us, and we're not going to know that they don't know that we're in pain. I mean, just think about something like tickling. Like when you do take a kid and hold them down and tickle them, like there's some mixed feelings going on there. Like they don't, they don't necessarily like it, but they don't want to stop. But they're laughing and they're squirming, and it's just a, it's a weird mixture of emotions. And so, I don't know. It was just a weird fleeting thought. I decided to put it out there so that this could be journaled. And one day, whenever the aliens come, they could find this on the interwebs and they could say, wow, this was like a couple hundred years ago and this guy predicted our biggest fears. <laughs> the aliens came and they took us and they tortured us and they thought they were being nice to us. Okay, speaking of aliens, here's, here's someone that I've spoken a little bit about and occasionally I'll go back and listen to older podcasts from way back in the day. And most of the time I don't because I'm embarrassed about how I sound and it's amazing to me how it's changed over the years. But either way, this alien is Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm going to play you this clip that was taken from an interview that he did with this guy named, oh gosh, I should have looked, Yuvihari something something or other. He's some supposed visionary technologist that serves as like some spiritual leader to like the Bill Gates and the George Soros and the Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and all these guys who, who seem that be enlightened by someone who calls himself spiritual and can, you know, predict the future and whatnot. And I'm going to cover some more clips from this guy later because it's important that we know what type of people are getting attention from the world's most powerful people. But in this clip, this is right before COVID. This is right before it all happened. And I want you just to listen to Zuckerberg uh, and what he says about censorship. And he goes, well, I don't want to give it away. But just listen, just listen. So this is about a 30-second-ish clip. You know, I mean, a lot has been, there have been a lot of questions around the world around questions of, of censorship, and I, I think that those are really serious and important. I mean, I, uh, a lot of the reason why I, I, I build what we build is because I care about giving everyone a voice, giving people as much voice as possible. So I don't want people to be, to be censored. Um, at some level, these questions around data and how it's used and whether uh, authoritarian governments so, I don't want people to be censored. Keep that in mind. I don't want people to be censored. Because as we go through these clips, you're going to see that he ended up reneging on all this. Okay, I looked it up. This guy's name is Yaval Noah Harai. H-A-R-A-I. He's got all kinds of podcasts out there and TED Talks. And uh, this guy thinks that Humans are not qualified to make their own decisions for themselves. And you know what? I joke and I say, yeah, the socialists are right. We're not qualified. But I, I just so for the record, I'm totally kidding. I think that people have the right to make their own decisions. And if the dumb people run the world into the ground, well, then so be it. That's just, you know, I, I don't think we'll let it get there. We never will. We never have. 
but that's the extreme that I have to stand on. So just listen to this guy. This clip's a little bit longer than what I'll normally play, but I want you to listen to the discussion between these two guys and formulate your own opinion. But I'm of the opinion that these two people are so elite and they're so qualified that they're kind of admitting that they don't need the dumb people, that the dumb people kind of get in the way. So just don't take that as a gospel. Listen to this clip and formulate your own opinion. This is now where the, 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 the big question mark is. Is it still true in a world where we have the technology to hack human beings and manipulate them like never before that the customer is always right, that the voter knows best? Or um, have we gone past this point? And we can know, I mean, and, and, the, and the, the simple ultimate answer that, well, this is what people want and, and, and they know what's good for them, maybe it's no longer the case. Well, yeah, I think that the, it's, it's not clear to me that that has changed, but I think that that's, that's a, a, a very deep question yeah, about democracy. Like, this is the deepest... I don't think that that's a new question. I mean, I think it's people have always No, the question isn't new. The technology is new. I mean, if you lived in 19th century America and you didn't have these extremely powerful tools to decipher and influence people, well, well, then me, it was a different... Well, let me actually frame this a different way, okay. which is I actually think, you know, for all the talk around is democracy being hurt by um, by the, the current set of tools and, and the media and, 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 mm -hmm. and all this. Um, I actually think that there's an argument that the world is significantly more democratic now than it was in the past. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the country was set up as, um, the, the US was set up as a republic, right? So um, a lot of the, the foundational rules um, limited the power of, of a lot of individuals mm -hmm. um, being able to vote and have a voice and checked um, the popular will in a lot of different stages, everything from the way that laws get written by Congress, right, and not by by people, mm -hmm. um, you know, so the, to, to everything to the electoral college, and which which a lot of people um, think today is, is is undemocratic, but I mean, but it was put in place because of of, um, of of a set of values that that a democratic republic would be better. I actually think what has happened today is that increasingly more people are enfranchised and mm -hmm. more people have a voice. Um, more people have had, are getting the vote, um, but, but increasingly people have a voice, more people have access to information. Um, and I think a lot of what people are, are asking is, is that good? It's, it's not necessarily the question of, okay, the democratic process has been the same, um, but now the technology is different. I think the technology has made it so individuals are more empowered, and part of the question is, is, is that the world that we want? And I... So you see what I'm saying? It's very clear that these people have the opinion that maybe it's not best if people make decisions. And that is terrifying. This is where I draw the line. The idea that there's a certain group of people who are qualified to make decisions on the rest of the population is where I draw the line. This is how civil wars start. This is how people group together and they say, you know what, we're not, we're not playing along with this. And listen, I don't want to see anything like that. I don't want to see this country split in half. I don't want to see violence. I don't want to see that. But I will not sit here and stand and be told, well, you know what, he's right. We're just too stupid, so we're going to just let y'all make decisions for us. And the th these guys know. They know that we outnumber them and that we could overpower them. 
And so they have to be very, very delicate on how they frame it. And they have to build a following of people so that we trust them and that they're, they're the leaders and they're the elites and they've made so much money throughout their lives and they've done so much good by taking all their profits and giving them to a charity so they don't have to pay taxes and then they still control the money. And so they have to attain that from us to get that trust because they know that we're not just going to blindly follow these people. They're not like us. They don't. They don't do the same things that we do. They don't eat the same foods that we eat. They don't travel to the same places with the same means that we do. This is an outlier. This, these are people who have never lived like you and I have lived. I mean, the guy literally said, is the customer always right? So there's no denying it. There's no saying, oh, Brandon, you're the right-wing conspiracy theorist. No, there's no denying it. These people think that they can write software or that they can make decisions that, that better humanity and that we can't, that the democracy cannot. Okay, so we've got the first clip where Zuckerberg saying, oh, yeah, it's better to, uh, to let people make decisions for themselves and we just, we're going to provide a platform so everyone can just have you know, free expression and free choice. Okay, so he, we get that from him. And then the second clip that we heard, we hear them saying, well, we hear mainly this other guy, not so much Zuckerberg, but mainly the other guy saying that humans aren't capable of making their own decisions. In this third clip, you're going to hear Zuckerberg say something that he did the exact opposite of. And I just want you to listen. This is another little bit longer clip, two minutes, 30 some odd seconds. But remember, this is before COVID. So I want you to listen to this and I want you to think about what he's saying and compare that to what Facebook and Instagram did during COVID, how they managed it, how they censored it, all that. Just, just listen. One of the big questions that we've studied um, is how to address um, you know, when there's a hoax or, or clear misinformation. And the most obvious thing that, um, that it would seem like you'd, you'd do intuitively is, is tell people, hey, this seems like it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Here is the other point of view um, that, uh, that, that, that is right. Um, or, or, or at least, you know, if it's a polarized thing, even if it's not clear what's, what's wrong and what's right, it's, here's the other point of view, um, you know, if you're on, on, on any given issue. Um, and that really doesn't work, right? So, so what ends up happening is if you tell people that something is false, but they believe it, then they just end up not trusting you, yeah. right? So, so that, that ends up not working. And if you frame two things as opposites, right? So if you say, okay, well, you're a person who doesn't believe in, you're seeing content that, about not believing in, in climate change. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm gonna show you the other perspective, right? Here's something that argues that climate change is a thing. Um, that actually just entrenches you further mm -hmm. um, because it's, okay, someone's trying to kind of control. Yeah, and, so, okay, uh -huh. so, so what ends up working? Right, sociologically and, and psychologically, the thing that, that ends up actually being effective is giving people um, a range of choices. So if you show not, here's the other opinion and, and with a judgment on, on, the, on the piece of content that a person engaged with, but instead you show a series of related articles right, or content, then people can kind of work out for themselves, hey, here's the range of different opinions or, or things that, um, that exist on this topic. And you know, maybe I lean in one direction or the other, but I'm kind of going to work out for myself where I want to be. Um, most people don't choose the most extreme thing, um, and um, and people end up feeling like they're informed and can can make a good decision. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the day, 
I think that that's the, the architecture and the responsibility that we have is to make sure that the work that we're doing um, gives people more choices, that it's not a given uh, single opinion um, that can kind of dominate anyone's thinking, mm -hmm. um, but where you can you know, connect to hundreds of different friends. And even if most of your friends share your religion or your political ideology, um, you're probably going to have 5 or 10% of friends who come from a different background, who have different ideas. And at least that's getting in as well. So you're, you're getting a broader range. Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. You, you get the idea, right? So in this particular clip, before COVID, he says, well, what you don't want to do is tell someone that they're wrong. You don't want to just censor them and say, hey, that's bad information. You, you shouldn't think that, which is exactly what they did during COVID. They had decided that we weren't capable of sharing information that they felt that was false. And when I say we, I mean us as humans, not necessarily the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers. But they felt that we are not qualified to do, to do that. So they're going to take down our post. They're going to censor it. They're going to ban us because we're not qualified to do it. So why did he change? This was, I think, a few months before COVID in 2019. It may have been 2018. I don't know. But either way, it was within 18 months of COVID. So what changed in Zuckerberg's opinion? Why did he go from, we must maintain this platform that allows everyone to have a voice and exchange ideas and information and formulate their own opinions to, this is misinformation, it's being deleted. You're being banned for sharing misinformation. We're, we're putting a disclaimer on everything saying that you're posting bad information. That tells me that he is pretty much admitting that we're not capable that this UV Hari Hiba Hari, whatever his name is, is right. And that his behavior during COVID proved that. Imagine being a person who went from college dropout to multi-billionaire in like 10 years. So, you know, after after the college dropout, you're pretty much rich. You know, not not much longer after that do you actually start to have money. And so you rise to the, the leadership of this organization because you were in the right place at the right time and because you had the right, the, the idea of Facebook. And so once you get to a position of power, people stop telling you no. They stop challenging you. They try to do whatever it is that you want in order to keep you happy. They're uncertain about how you feel about them, and they want you to like them because you're a powerful person. And this is just reality. It happens at small levels all the way up to big levels. Okay, so if you can if you can agree to that, if you can say, yes, someone who is of power typically gets challenged less by people who are below them. So if you can agree with that, now imagine somebody who's 19 or 20. This you also see this in these young music, uh, music. <laughs> uh, sound like Joe Biden again musical artists and TV entertainment people that they, they get super powerful when they're eight, nine, ten years old. Their life falls apart when they get older. They turn to drugs, alcohol, and they end up killing themselves because their reality is not a real reality. I think Mark Zuckerberg's no different. He produced some idea. He got super wealthy. And if you're 19, 20, 21, and you start having ideas, which ideas are really good. It's good to have ideas and be creative and think outside the box. That's what gets us where we are. But when people won't challenge you and won't tell you, like, whoa, 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 time out, that's wrong. It doesn't work that way. When you don't have a mentor, someone who's older and wiser and been down this road before, 
you have no way of knowing that you're out of touch with reality because nobody will tell you. And so in your own mind, you're just living in the same reality as everybody else. But in the real reality, you're in a different world surrounded by different circumstances. And it, I can imagine it would take a lot of introspection to understand that and to think to yourself, man, I have to be careful with what I think because the reality that I live in is very, very dissimilar from the reality that the rest of this country lives in. And so you have to be a special person, I think, to understand that and realize that. And you have to have humility. You have to be humble. And these guys, when they get to a certain position, I think their humility goes away. And I don't know if it's caused by that, them achieving success and no longer having to be humble, but I suspect it happens through the course of people not challenging them, people not questioning them, people laughing at all their jokes, people always giving them free things, people always inviting them to the biggest parties, they always want them around. And so after you're treated like a little prince long enough, you're going to start to act like one. This also happened to a guy we know called Dan Crenshaw. They treat him like a little prince long enough, and now he acts like one. But my whole point is, we can't trust these guys. We shouldn't put them on a pedestal. Even guys like Elon Musk, we should question what they do. We should have opposing viewpoints. We shouldn't just worship these people because we don't know their true motives. We don't know what's driving them. And if you've never watched Mark Zuckerberg in these interviews, he doesn't even look like a human. And you'll find all kinds of memes and jokes out there about him being an alien. And he really looks like... I don't know how to explain it. You should just go look up some interviews with him. He's like got all this makeup on, and he's sitting up very straight in prim and property, staring right at the right angles. And when he enunciates, he talks very distinct, and he enunciates all of his letters perfectly. And it's just weird. It is so weird. He doesn't seem like a human because he's not. He's not. You live enough time in space world, and you become an alien. And after enough people don't tell you you're wrong, you just assume you're right. And if you don't have the humility to look inside yourself and say, wait a minute, that might not be right. My opinion is probably jaded. Let me get some feedback on that. And I think these guys just get to a point whereby they just they live in their own world that they control and they think everyone else does too. Well, I got news for y'all. We ain't rich like y'all, but we will be one day this year because we got Donald Trump. And listen, I know that the counter-argument to mine is we can't just let people run the world into the ground. If we don't stop them from making bad decisions, they'll just destroy everyone. And I understand why that sounds like it needs to be managed. It, it, it sounds good to say, listen, if we don't stop people from ruining the earth, they're going to ruin the earth and we're all just going to die and it's going to be too late to do anything about it. But if we always take decisions away from humanity, then they'll never learn how to make decisions. And so that means the more we take away, the more we have to continue to take away because they're not learning. Learning's not taking place. If you protect a dog and you don't teach him the right decision, he will continue making the wrong decision. And it's what it's called management. Just go talk to anyone that has a dog that goes berserk when the doorbell rings and ask them, hey, what did you do to keep your dog from barking, or did you ever solve the problem? And no, the answer is, well, we just go put them in another room. If we know someone's coming over, we just have to go put them in another room. Well, why is that? Because they never 
appropriately punish the dog for making the wrong decision or they never stopped the dog and taught the dog how to make the right decision. So it gets to a point where you're just faced with management. If you don't want the dog to bark, you have to remove him from the situation and go lock him into a room because you never taught him. And, and the way that we teach ourselves is by allowing things to happen, allowing the, the misfortune to happen, right? You can stop a kid all day from going to touch a stove, but if you let him touch it one time, he'll never do it again. And so these people, like these Zuckerbergs and this Noah Himahabi, whatever I said his name was, they want to protect humanity from ourselves. And I think the solution is let us make bad decisions so that we learn from them. I don't think that humanity is too stupid to where we will cause the earth to destroy itself. Maybe we start to run out of resources. Maybe we start to see that like, oh gosh, okay, it's getting serious now. We actually are about to run out of oil. So the solution to that though is not just like, oh gosh, hey everyone, we're running out of oil. We really are. We're running out of oil. We're running out. I promise you're running out because then you have to convince people. What happens is oil gets more expensive and more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. And so what we have to do is come up with an alternative, right? Out of necessity comes innovation. All of the great inventions that we've had in this country, all the great advancements, they've all been because we were faced with a problem. You look at something like space travel, how much time and money and energy we've poured into it. And relatively speaking, we've not made much progress. For dollar for dollar, it's been a huge waste of money. Now, I understand that we should be investing into the, the future. And I understand that it costs a lot of money to do that. But that should be done by the people who think that there's a need that can come from that. Like Elon Musk with Starlink. He's like, I got to figure out how to put um, Wi-Fi routers into orbit so that we can provide the world with Wi-Fi and my company can make money. Nothing wrong with that. He's solving a problem. He's being compensated for it. But the reason we haven't made much progress in, in space is because there hasn't been a need to. We, have, we haven't needed to. The problem is that people, people don't trust. They can't blindly trust humanity. They can't say, well, you know what? they got to suffer their own consequences. If they make bad decisions, they're going to get bad fate, bad destiny. They're, they're so timid. And they're, they're not brave. They're the opposite of brave. And they're just, they're kind of fearful people. They're not, they're not leaders who charge into battle and say, you know what, we're going to freaking win. No matter what happens, we're going to win. I don't care if I get sliced in half. That's not the kind of people who are leading the world today. And that's the reason that they're wanting to take decisions out of our hands. Because they want to protect everyone. And they don't want to see anyone make bad decisions. But just remember, the more you do that, the less qualified people are to make decisions and the less qualified people are to make decisions the less they're able to make decisions and the more they need people to make decisions for them so this is a vicious cycle and the idea of one centralized group um, making decisions that affect the lives of a broad group is i think what will lead to the demise of of our country because there's a certain group of people who think that's the way to be and there's a certain group of people who don't think that's the way to be. And those two groups are going to grow further and further apart because one group wants to take away the ability to make decisions. The other group wants to conserve the ability to make decisions. Now, you can dissect that however you want. You can pinpoint all the tech 
te- technicalities, and, and maybe you have a rebuttal. But I think we've made it this far. We've made it to the 1980s and 90s with everyone making their own decisions, without people trying to persuade mass populations and forcing them to behave a certain way. Now, they tried, you know, they tried to do it, but there's been no time in history at which point a centralized group of people have had such a vast amount of control over all the plebes like me and you. And with that, I'm going to close the show. I've got laundry to do. I've got a dog to exercise. I've got some dinner to cook. I've got a little bit of studying to do for some online education that I'll be doing. So I'm going to wrap it up. I appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Hope everyone has a great week. I'd like you to go out there, be humble. Remember that you don't live in your own world. Tip people who help you more than you should. Take advice from an old person. Give some advice to a young person. Do something chivalrous. And keep it tranquilo. 